Lots of channels, nothing to watch, especially if you're searching for the truth. It's time to interrupt your regularly scheduled programs with something actually worth watching. Salem News Channel, straightforward, unfiltered, with in-depth insight and analysis from the greatest collection of conservative minds like Hugh Hewitt, Mike Gallagher, Sebastian Gorka, and more. Find truth. Watch 24-7 on SNC.TV and on Local Now, Channel 525. This is Cornerstone Connection, the radio ministry of Pastor Gary Hamrick of Cornerstone Chapel in Leesburg, Virginia. Pastor Gary is teaching through the Gospel of John. They're basically saying to Jesus, we're good, thank you anyway, we're fine, we're good. But Jesus replied, I tell you the truth, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. Now a slave has no permanent place in the family, but a son belongs to it forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. I know you are Abraham's descendants, yet you are ready to kill me because you have no room for my word. I am telling you what I have seen in the father's presence and you do what you have heard from your father. The religious leaders in Jesus' day didn't want anything to do with him. They had made up their minds. They were doing enough to gain acceptance by God, or so they thought. Pastor Gary today brings you to a section of the Gospel of John where Jesus says the exact opposite. He points out the misconceptions they were holding on to and how dangerous it was for them not to accept him. Today, you know more than the Pharisees did. But are you letting the knowledge turn you to Jesus or away from Him? At the close of Pastor Gary's message today, I'll be sharing with you how you can get a copy of today's broadcast of Cornerstone Connection. Subscribe to the podcast or get in touch with us. But for now, let's join Pastor Gary in the book of John chapter 8 with today's edition of Cornerstone Connection. Verse 14 there of Exodus 3, verse 14. God said to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. What is the proper name of God? This is where God's proper name comes from. It is taken from this phrase, I am who I am. It translates in Hebrew, it's from the Hebrew uh, verb hayah, which means to be. So literally, God's name means the self-existent one. He is the one who was and is and shall always be. So he's the self-existent one. He is eternally existent. And, and so he reveals himself using this term, I am that I am. And from this, the Hebrew letters Y-H-V-H are derived. And then because there are no vowels in Hebrew, uh, what we do is we end up inserting vowels to try to make uh, sense or to be able to, to express a word. And so when we add the vowels to y uh, Y-H-V-H, we end up saying Yahweh, or it became anglicized later to Jehovah. That's the proper name of God. He expresses himself here. The I am statement is literally translated Yahweh. Now, a Jew today, out of respect for the name of God, will not even say Yahweh. They will say Adonai. They, they will say Hashem, meaning the name. But they won't even utter what I just said to express Yahweh's proper name because they see it in a reverential way. We don't even want to say the name of God. But this is where God expresses his name. Now, do you see here to a Jew 
who hears and renews that God expressed himself in Exodus 3:14 as the great I am and now you go back here to John's gospel chapter 8 and Jesus is going around saying unless you believe that I am you will certainly die in your sins is he saying that he's god or not he's saying that he's god But you have to have a Jewish Eastern ear to be able to hear this. So clearly, Jesus is asserting his divinity in these verses. So when you when you read back here in John eight, and I think it's good just for us to let me just read them again. Verse twenty four: I told you that you would die in your sins if you did not believe that I am. If you don't believe that my identity is Yahweh, I am God, you will indeed die in your sins. Verse twenty eight: When you have lifted up the Son of Man, which literally is referring to the cross, then you will know that I am, that I am Yahweh. And then I do nothing on my own, but I speak just what the Father has taught me. And then in verse fifty-eight, he says, "I tell you the truth." Jesus answered, "Before Abraham was born, Yahweh, I am, I am God." And he's exp- expressing himself and his identity. So don't let anyone say to you that Jesus never directly claims to be God. He does indeed, but the problem is we want a very clear Western English answer, and Jesus is speaking in his native language. To the audience of his day, and they clearly understood what he meant. That's why they picked up stones to stone him to death. Okay, everybody, see this with me. Now there are many other places, and I'm just going to read them real quickly. You don't need to turn, but for those of you who like to take notes about these kind of things, Isaiah 41:4. By the way, in Exodus 3:14, the Old Testament is originally written in uh, Hebrew, most of it, and when The Greeks translated it from Hebrew to Greek in Exodus three fourteen, where it says "I am." They translated it "ego ami," the identical Greek words from John chapter eight. When you also read the Septuagint, which is the Greek, transla- the Greek translation of the Old Testament, in Isaiah forty one, verse four. It says, "Who has done this and carried it through, calling forth the generations from the beginning? I, the Lord, with the first of them and with the last, I am He." And again, in the Greek Septuagint, it is "ego ami." You can also read in Isaiah forty-three ten, "You are my witnesses," declares the Lord, "and my servant, whom I have chosen, so that you may know and believe me and understand that I am He." Ego ami. Before me, no god was formed, nor will there be one after me. I, even I, am the Lord, and apart from me, there is no savior. And then also in Isaiah chapter forty-six and verse four, it says, "Even to your old age and gray hairs, I am He. I am He who will sustain you. I have made you, and I will carry you. I will sustain you, and I will rescue you." Again. In the Greek transliteration of the Old Testament, ego ami. So, in John eight, on these three different verses here, just in this eighth chapter, Jesus is asserting his divinity and his identity that he is God. Now, go back here to our text and let's carry on. John chapter eight, verse twenty-five. After he says this, they're they're like, "Well, who are you?" They asked. Just what I have been claiming all along, Jesus replied. I have much to say in judgment of you, but he who sent me is reliable, and what I have heard from him, I tell the world. They did not understand that he was telling them about his father. So Jesus said, 
When you have lifted up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am, I am, and that I do nothing on my own, but speak just what the Father has taught me. The one who sent me is with me. He has not left me alone, for I always do what pleases him. Jesus was very clear here to talk about how, you know, I, I, don't, I don't operate independently. Okay? I, don't, I don't do anything without it being in alignment with the will of the Father. And, and, and he says, you know, I, sp- I don't speak on my own. I speak just what the Father has taught me. And even further in John twelve forty nine, he says, I don't say anything except that the Father tells me what to say and how to say it. Okay, and I'll repeat this when we get to John chapter 12, but, it, but it's, it's good to hear this more than once. Sometimes people think that the only important thing is it's, it's what you say. That is not the only important thing. Am I right, ladies? Okay, right. Because every wife would say this at some point to her husband. Man, if you haven't heard this at some point, it's just because she's being too kind to you. She, she wants to say it if she hasn't already. It's not just what you say. It's how you say it. Now, what happens around my house is that sometimes when my wife says, listen, you're, you're, you're raising your voice, it's too loud. You know, it's not just what you say, it's how you say it. And, th- and then this is what typically men do. That's not, that's not loud. You want to hear loud? That's not loud. So, you know, there's, there, everybody has their own interpretation of soft or loud. And, you know, men tend to... What happens around my house is typically after Wednesday night service, all day Thursday... And then typically after, you know, I do Saturday night service and I do Sunday services, three of them, then all the rest of Sunday and, and all the rest of Monday. What happens is I, I constantly project. I project. I do this kind of for a living. You know, I like I project constantly. So I'm going around my house having conversations like I'm project anyway. I digress. But um, that's what the deal is. So do, are we out of milk? Why are you yelling? I, I didn't know I was yelling. So here we go. Verse 30, even as he spoke, many put their faith in him. Verse 31, to the Jews who had believed him, Jesus said, if you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. That's a great verse most people know. Most people, I even heard Oprah quote it one time. Like, do you know that's in the Bible? But anyway, (laughs) then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Because he is the truth, right? I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. And again, you know, I don't want to beat a dead horse, but we, I've said this many occasions. I'll continue to say it. We live in a very relative world. We, everybody wants to define what is right, what is wrong, and what is true, and what is false. And, uh, you know, look, that's not up to us to define. Jesus is truth. And he'll say later in John 18, everyone, to Pontius Pilate, everyone on the side of truth listens to me. So Jesus is the personification of truth. And if we know him then knowing him will truly set us free. Mankind is in bondage to a lot of things. Before you came to know Christ, those of you who know Christ as your Savior, you can admit you're in bondage to a lot of things until you came to know Jesus, and then you came to know the one who can set you free from all the stuff that that keeps us captive. So it's not just a a truth that sets us free, you know, mentally, you know, academically, because now we know things. No, 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 This this is a deeper truth that will set us free from the deeper things that bind us in life and hold us captive. Verse 33, they answered him, we are Abraham's descendants and have never been slaves of anyone. How can you say that we shall be set free? Now, they're, they're, they're taking offense at this, okay? Because he's talking about freedom. 
They're like, you know, we, we have Abraham as our father. We've never been slaves, which they don't even know their own history. Oh, you were 400 years as slaves in bondage in Egypt. But, you know, so they kind of conveniently forgot that part. But they're basically saying to Jesus, we're good. Thank you anyway. We're fine. We're good. Well, Jesus replied, I tell you the truth. Everyone who sins is a slave to sin. Now, a slave has no permanent place in the family, but a son belongs to it forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. I know you are Abraham's descendants, yet you are ready to kill me because you have no room for my word. I am telling you what I have seen in the father's presence, and you do what you have heard from your father. He's going to really drop a bomb here, okay? This is, by the way, this is not Sunday school Jesus coming on right now, okay? The meek and mild, you know, wonderful Jesus that we move around on the flannel boards for the kids. I guess we don't use flannel boards anymore, but anyway, that's the way it was in my day. Flannel board Jesus, you know, he always had everything kind to say, you know, and say, because you don't want to, you know, tell third graders stuff that, you know, makes them scared of Jesus. So we always talk about the good stories. But you're about to see Jesus unplugged here, okay? Because cause he goes around and he says, you know, you don't, you don't understand me, you don't get me because you don't know the Father, and, and you only do what you've heard from your father. And they say in verse 39, well, Abraham is our father. Okay, we're Jewish. They, they lay claim to their heritage. And, and Jesus says, if you were Abraham's children, then you would do the things Abraham did. As it is, you are determined to kill me a man who has told you the truth that I heard from God. Abraham did not do such things. You were doing the things your own father does. And, and then they say, we're not illegitimate children, they protested. The only father we have is God himself. Okay, now, they're t- taking a low blow here at Jesus. Because what they're saying is, we have Abraham as our father. We have the Jewish heritage. Jesus comes back. And he lays into them about who, who their father really is. He hasn't told them just yet, so they're still a little confused here. They're like, well, if it isn't Abraham, you don't like that answer, then how about we tell you this? God is our father, okay? And by the way, we're not illegitimate children. Ooh. Ooh. What do they mean by that? You see, they thought that Jesus was illegitimate because they never accepted the virgin birth. And so therefore, Mary's pregnancy to an outsider, looks like Mary got pregnant before she got married to Joseph, and so therefore Jesus is that illegitimate child. And so what they're saying here is, well, at least we're not illegitimate like you. You don't want to mess with Jesus. You don't want to say stuff like that. So now, so now, now, now look what he says to them here. This is, this, is, this is rich here. Jesus, verse 42, said to them, If God were your father, you would love me, For I came from God and now am here. I have not come on my own, but he sent me. Why is my language not clear to you? He basically says, I'll tell you why. Because you're unable to hear what I say. You belong to your father, the devil. And you want to carry out your father's desire. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. Yet because I tell the truth, you do not believe me. Can any of you prove me guilty of sin? If I am telling the truth, why don't you believe me? He who belongs to God hears what God says. The reason you do not hear is that you do not belong to God. Wow. 
Wouldn't you have loved to have been standing there watching this dialogue? And, the, and as they kind of know, it's a tennis match back and forth. And, you know, Jesus starts talking about, you know, where he's come from. His father, like, well, who is your father? And they, well, I am. Well, who are you anyway? And then he starts going into this stuff. And then, he, and then they're like, well, we have Abraham as our father. We're not slaves. Well, yeah, because you do what your father does. Wait a minute. God is our father. And we're not illegitimate. It's like, yeah, you know what? Let's just kind of cut to the chase here. Your father's the devil, all right? You're, you're the spawn of Satan, all right? How about that? And then he, and then what Jesus does here is he tells us some things that, you know, if you don't know already, you should know about the character of the devil because there's four things that he says here. He says the devil is a murderer. Okay. It says that there's no truth in him, that he's a liar. And he's not only just a liar, he's the father of lies. So everything about Satan is murderous, deceptive, untrue. And Jesus says, you show that you are descendants, that, that your father is the devil because you don't believe in me. And here I am telling you the truth and you don't accept me because you've been deceived to believe the lies. Therefore, God is not your father. The devil is your father. Now, he makes here a claim that is incredible. It's true, but it's incredible. He's, he says there, verse 46, can any of you prove me guilty of sin? Wow. I mean, he just clearly says, why don't you tell me one thing that I've ever done that was sinful? Just go ahead and point it out. I mean, he is so bold about who he is that he even challenges them. Why don't you just point something out? Point out one sin. Can you, can you imagine? None of us can imagine, right? Because none of us would ever have that conversation. With why don't you tell me one thing I've ever done wrong? Okay. Not with him, though. He's like, you know, he who belongs to God, here's what God says. The reason you don't hear is that you don't belong to God. Well, the Jews answered him, like, like, how can we respond to that? So then they just say, aren't we right in saying that you were a Samaritan and demon-possessed? You know, it's just like they're trying to ratchet up the argument here. It's, it's like this verbal poker game. You know, Jesus is like, you, you are the children of the devil. Well, you know what? You're demon-possessed. Yeah, take that. And you're a Samaritan. Those are both terms of contempt and reproach. So they're just trying to, you know, come back. And he, and he says, I'm not, I'm not possessed by a demon, said Jesus. But I honor my father, and you dishonor me. I'm not seeking glory for myself, but there is one who seeks it, and he is the judge. I tell you the truth. If anyone keeps my word, he will never see death. And at this, the Jews exclaimed, now we know that you are demon-possessed. Abraham died, and so did the prophets. Yet you say that if anyone keeps your word, he will never taste death? Are you greater than our father Abraham? He died, and so did the prophets. Who do you think you are? So Jesus, there he says, you know, just keep my word. And they want to go back to, wait a minute, isn't the word of Abraham more important? Our forefather, more important than you? Who do you think you are? And then Jesus here again, he's going to express his identity here. Verse 54, he replied, if I glorify myself, my glory means nothing. My father, whom you claim is your God, is the one who glorifies me. Though you do not know him, I know him. If I said I did not, I would be a liar like you, but I do know him and keep his word. Your father Abraham rejoiced at the thought of seeing my day. He saw it and was glad and they say, you are not yet 50 years old, the Jews said to him, and you have seen Abraham. See, Abraham was 2000 BC, roughly. Okay, so 
They say to Jesus, you're not yet 50 years old, which, by the way, if you read some Bible commentaries, they say that Jesus must have looked older than he really was for them to, you know, instead of them saying, well, you're not even 40 or you're not even 35, you know, they go for 50. He, he might have just already had, you know, a weathered look to, to himself because, you know, here, here he is about ready to lay down the, his life for the sins of the world and and so, you know, they, they say, you're not even 50 years old. You know, how, how can you lay claim to the fact that Abraham saw your day? He said, Abraham longed to see my day, and he saw it. You're not even 50. This is 2,000 years ago. Now, when did Abraham see Jesus? Well, there's a couple of places you can make the argument. One occasion could be in Genesis chapter 14, when Abraham has this encounter with Melchizedek. Do you remember Melchizedek? Now, there's a lot of debate about the identity of Melchizedek. I personally believe that it was an appearance of Jesus. I know there's a lot who differ on that, but when you, when you look at the account in Genesis 14 and you also look at the reference to Melchizedek in the book of Hebrews, it tells us, first of all, his name, Melech Zedek in Hebrew means king of righteousness. It says he was from Salem, which later became known as Yerushalayim, the city of peace. He's from Salem, the place of peace. Hebrews tells us he has no father or mother, no genealogy. Okay. In Genesis 14, when Melchizedek sees Abraham, he presents to him bread and wine, the communion elements. And it also tells us in Genesis 14 that Abraham tithed. He gave him a tenth. Okay. And Melchizedek didn't refuse it. He took the tithe. He received the tenth from Abraham. And by the way, that is an example in Genesis 14 where tithing precedes the Mosaic law. So tithing transcends the law. It's not a legal thing, okay? It's a motivation of the heart. People want to reduce it to, that's an Old Testament thing. No, it's not. It was before the law, okay? Genesis 14. When Abraham is giving a tenth to Melchizedek, I believe that Melchizedek was an appearance of the Lord. A Christophany is what we call it. But, you know, good people can debate that. And if it wasn't Genesis 14, it may have likely been Genesis 18. Because there are three angels who appear to Abraham right before Sodom and Gomorrah is to be destroyed. Two out of the three angels leave into Genesis 19, and they go down into Sodom and physically take Lot and his family out of Sodom before it is destroyed. But the one angel who stays back with Abraham the language changes for that, from that one angel to refer to him as the Lord, the Lord, the Lord, the Lord, through Genesis chapter 19. So, in other words, I believe that one of those three angels was, in fact, a Christophanian appearance of the Lord Jesus. The other two were probably literally angels who went in to rescue Lot from Sodom. And so, either Genesis 14, Genesis 18, or other times, when Jesus appeared to Abraham. Remember, Jesus is self-existent with God, okay? Because he is God. So just because he shows up on the world scene by coming into our world and taking on flesh in the gospel accounts, he always has existed, being co-equal and co-eternal with God. So there are different times in the Old Testament where Jesus appeared in a physical form to individuals and Jesus is referring to either Genesis 14 or Genesis 18 or maybe some other occasion when he says to his skeptics, Abraham longed to see my day. And by the way, he saw it and was glad. And they're like, you're not even 50 years old. How can you claim to that? In verse 58, that's when he says, I tell you the truth, Jesus answered, before Abraham was born, I am. There he asserts his deity again. 
And at this, they picked up stones to stone him, but Jesus hid himself, slipping away from the temple grounds. So, very strong chapter as to the identity of Jesus and uh, who he uh, claims to be and who he is. Uh, God in flesh. They understood it. That's why they wanted to kill him. Uh, may we have ears to hear it as well. We're so glad you joined us for this edition of Cornerstone Connection with Pastor Gary Hamrick. Pastor Gary's been going through the book of John. If you missed any part of this message, you can hear it again on our website, cornerstoneconnection.cc. You might want to download our mobile app so you have these teachings with you on the go. That way you'll never miss a message from Pastor Gary's studies, and you'll always have encouragement from God's Word at your fingertips. Find a link to download the app for your iPhone or Android device at our website, cornerstoneconnection.cc. While you're there, feel free to take some time to learn about the church this radio ministry originates from, Cornerstone Chapel. We'd love to meet you. Please join us for worship and Bible study. You'll find all you need to know about service times and other info on our website. Again, that's cornerstoneconnection.cc. We hope and pray you've been blessed by today's teaching in the book of John. Please know that we're praying for you too. Although we're out of time for today, keep reading on your own in the book of John until Pastor Gary continues teaching through this extraordinary account of Jesus' life on Cornerstone Connection. No place to go, but still you know